You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Time to fire up the VCR. This one's my favorite. Temple Film. I'm Steve. And I'm Matt. And this is a VHS podcast that looks at the trailers, box arts, and behind the scenes. And this week, Matt rented Wild Wild West. Wicked Wild Wild. Before there was a Secret Service, before there was a CIA, before there was an FBI, there was West. Jim West. But behind every great man is a beautiful woman. Stay out of my way, lady! I'm not a lady, I'm a U.S. Marshal! Now what? Will Smith. You're not the master of disguise that you think you are. You look nasty, just butt ugly. Kevin Klein. The collars around our neck seem to contain powerful magnets! When you tell this story to your grandkids, you make sure you leave this part out. Kenneth Branagh. And Selma Hayek, from the director of Men in Black. Nice hat. Whoa! That was fun. We are kicking off our theme song September with one of the greatest movie theme songs <laughs> recorded for a film. Wiki Wiki Wow, Wiki Wiki Wow, Wiki Wiki Wow Wow West, Jim West, Desperado, Rough Rider. No, we don't want nada. None of this six gun in this brother running this Buffalo Soldier. Look, it's like I told you. Any damsel that's in distress be out of that just when she meets Jim West. Beautiful. <laughs> Nailed it. So, this song does have a little bit of a history. I used to sing this song to annoy my younger brothers. This this was one of those songs that I remember trying to catch on the radio to record on a cassette. This was still when they were. This is still. This is right before you could burn CDs. This was still a couple years before you could burn CDs. So I remember trying to catch this on the radio and record it on a cassette, and I never could catch it without the fucking DJ talking over it. <laughs> when you missed it, did you have to swallow your pride? <laughs> I'm, I just want to know. Did you did you let your lip react? Because you don't want to see. Jim West's hand where his hip be at. <laughs> I love, I fucking love this song. It's so good. <laughs> it's, like, it's just like the perfect corny, like positive hip hop that was dying at this point. Yes, but like, just, it's still such a window into the 90s. So like, kids, listen to the song. This is just like what was popular at the time. <laughs> and then you had Will Mania and I don't know if it, the, that album dropped before or after this movie. I don't really know because kids, let me tell you, from 1992 to 1999, maybe 2000, 2001. Well, the 2000 because that was the millennium. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you got a party like it's 1999. Oh, hold up, it is. So, to that period, like, Will Smith fever was, you. it was just like 
a destruction movie, like a natural a natural disaster destruction movie. Like you just fucking had to watch it. Like yeah, Will Smith. I can't again. Like I can't. It's hard to articulate this to people who didn't grow up with it, which I'm assuming most of our listeners did. But like, if if somebody who's like 18 is catching listening to this, Will Smith was literally everywhere at this time. Music, you couldn't turn on, MTV still showed music videos at this time. You couldn't turn on MTV without seeing the Will Smith music video. Uh, you couldn't, you couldn't go to the, every summer was dominated by a Will Smith movie. Every summer from yeah. 96 through 99, we had a Will Smith release. We talked about it on Independence Day and fuck it, I'm gonna do it again. We had Independence Day, we had Men in Black, we had Wild Wild West, we had Enemy of the State, and then we have Men in Black 2, and I mean, I think after Men in Black 2, it was just like, okay, well, Mania needs to slow up a bit. Yeah. But that's when he became, like, a fucking actor, and then we hit Ali. Yeah, and but now we're kind of in the lazy Oscar bait Will Smith right now. With you know, He's done Pursuit of Happiness, Seven Pounds, Concussion. I'm looking for more fun Willie. I'm looking for some big Willie style here. Well, I think he's going to do that when his kids have kids. Probably. I have that feeling. I just think right now, because of how his career started, and he was like, kind of like The Rock right now, where he was surgically picking his roles mm -hmm. of like how to make the most money. Now, Will Smith will do a negative role where, I mean, where his character does some nasty shit or gets into a nasty situation and maybe the story doesn't end on a positive note. While The Rock will not ever do that. So maybe that's a bad comparison. But the popularity, the charisma is that that is Will Smith and Rock. Yeah, yeah, no, like that is that is the quality of a gigantic movie star. And this Wild Wild West is the height, I think. This is this is some people call the breaking point. This is like, the nauseum. This is when but this is like this movie happened and got made because of the fucking rock star quality of Will Smith. Well, this is where you could, like, cover him in shit and he'd still sell. And that's, in a way, what, what we got. here. Um, but, yeah, basically, and, like, if you were to just say 1999 pop culture, Will Smith is at the top of the fucking list. Yeah, I mean, that's why Warner Brothers, you know, made this film. Uh, Warner Brothers, at the time, was it was going through a low point. They were having some bombs after some really positive mid-90s you know interview with the vampire even both of the batman movies even though the last one is a joke of uh, batman and robin it made money right and that is that is a year before this film yeah then but that year you know the years of 97 98 had some also some fucking bombs for them like just not only financial bombs but where it made the actual entire distribution production companies that they worked with i see i didn't understand warner brothers so much but basically warner brothers works with like nine or ten different production companies constantly yes. at this time period i don't know how they are now yes. but that's what i was reading and they use a lot of the same producers with these production companies so it was a lot of the same people coming up with a lot of these hits well, I think people got a little fat, a little laid back, and then we got this. We got Clint Eastwood's True Crime, 
which not only was something that I've never seen, but apparently no one else did because it's it, basically it, gone forgotten. Yeah, it lost like thirty million dollars. Yeah, and then we had the King and I animation that lost like ten. Jack Frost with Michael Keaton is kind of the like embarrassing one where they took Michael Keaton. I don't know if he was forced to do that film or if it was more like, hey, I'm not getting into any other roles, so I've got to. That one lost a lot. And then then we get into the really bad one. Soldier with Kurt Russell and Paul W.S. Anderson lost $50 million, I think, 50 60 Then we had Practical Magic lost money. Uh, that's one I'd, I'd love for us to do, Practical Magic. The Avengers with uh, Sean Connery. Uh, that one lost a good amount. The Negotiator, Tarzan and the Lost City. Tarzan and the Lost City, this blew my mind. They spent like $20, 25000000 million on that film, and it only made like $2 million in the theater. They didn't advertise that one at all. No, that one, they're like, we can't release in the United States. I think it went direct to video, yeah, which yeah. by the way, I own. Nice. We'll have to do that sometime. Uh, Sphere, Fallen, and the pinnacle of the bombs in the late 90s. The Postman, $80 million budget, only made 17.6 worldwide. Wow. That was one where they released like 2,500 theaters. That yeah. was huge. Yeah, that was a huge movie, much like Wild Wild West. Worldwide made its money back, $170 million budget. You Every fucking dollar is on screen here. Yeah, there was a lot of reshoots for this movie. You could tell. Yes. <laughs> uh, and they spent a lot of money on the sets, and they are beautiful sets. Yes, they're, they're quite wonderful. When it comes to the production designers and the artistic development of this movie, they did not disappoint. It's a beautiful, laid-out film. Yes. Before, before you two into it, let's talk about this box art, and let's, let's, let's break some of this stuff down, and then we'll... We'll get into the nitty-gritty of this fucking film. Our cover here has Will Smith, Selma Hayek, and Kevin Klein in their basically like their their key outfits for the movie. They're like steampunky cowboy outfits. Looking right at us with the giant mechanical spider blowing something up directly in the center bottom. And uh, it's Wild Wild West title across the top. Will Smith, Kevin Klein, Kenneth Branagh, Selma Hayek. You know, names around the title. Fucking all superstars at this time. But when it comes to the box art on this VHS, this is the weaker one because I'm going to show Matt the poster. The poster oh, yeah. is awesome. I love the, I love the 3W uh, sort of iconography they had with the movie where it was like the steel Ws mm -hmm. with each one sort of inlaid on each other. Uh, I, I love that design. It's very it's very Men in Black. Like it's well, very, very Seinfeld, but like I love that design. It's so 90s cool. Well, it sold the steampunk yes. feel of the film, so I don't understand why they came out with the VHSs with this cover. Because Very bland. This, this cover, other than the giant spider at the bottom breathing fire, sucks. Yeah, it's just, but they're selling the stars, and I think that's what they're looking to do here. They're just like Will Smith, Kevin Klein, Selma Hayek, Western. With some uh, weird shit in it. You know what? I guess at that point... But they're selling the stars on the other one, too. I, I just... Yeah, I don't know why they changed it. I don't I, know what the choice was to change it. Although, I will fear. say... Fear? Yeah, probably. I do love the yellow that surrounds, like, the side, the spine, and the top uh, from, like, the desert landscape or whatever. It looks so good on my shelf, though, with the yellow like this. I like it. 
Oh uh, yeah, actually, you have a good point. That, it looks that really would, nice it, on the shelf. It would set itself apart from a lot of the black, right? That a lot of these, yeah. you know, Older sci-fi nineties mm-hmm. type stuff. Yeah, the yellow really makes it pop. Uh, flipping it over to the back here, we got one review: a knockout. Will Smith and Kevin Klein are hilarious from CBS TV, and here is our description. If you stuck with us this long and you don't know what <laughs> what this is about yet here's what it here's what uh Warner Brothers is telling us it's about if you think special government agent james west is fast with a six shooter wait till he lays a quip on you mega hit star will smith plays west reuniting with men of black director barry sonnefeld in an effects loaded shoot from the hip spectacular shoot from the lip Spectacular. Huh, that's uh, clever. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Kevin Klein plays fellow agent and crackerjack inventor Artemis Gordon, teamed with West on a daring assignment. Stop legless Dr. Arliss Loveless, Kenneth Branagh, and his diabolical plot for a disunited States of America. Salma Hayek is a mis- mysterious adventurous Rita Escobar, an all manner of geared up 1860s gadgets from belt buckle derringers to surprise-packed billiard balls to a walking eight-story steam and steel tarantula help make Wild Wild West produced by Sonnenfeld and Batman's John Peters into a Wow Wow West. Woof. <laughs> wow. That is a terrible description. That that just makes me... like. So the cover looks like it's trying to sell to adults, and the description is trying to sell For to an children. Yeah, like Jesus. And the yeah, the back pictures they've chosen are Kevin Klein and Will Smith on the flying uh, wasp contraption that he makes, and then another still of Will Smith in the ears of the tarantula that we see later in the film. There's one other special note on here. Special features after the movie: two hip hop music videos, Will Smith's Wild Wild West. And Enrique Iglesias Balamos are on this uh, tape after the film. So we'll talk about that when we finish talking about the film. Mm. Are we ready to pop this bad boy in? Let's do it. Let's see what we got on this. Now playing at a motion picture theater near you. All right. The trailers are... Uh, the first one we see is a 30 second actually they're all fast spots they're all like 30 second spots which makes me think were the trailers embarrassed to be on this tape no I think so the movie itself is about is 105 minutes and it says extras so two music videos total 11 minutes so that's about 116 minutes I swear to god the trailers took about 4 minutes I think they only paid for 2 hours of tape on here because the trailers fly by so I literally think they were just like, get it in at the two hour mark, and then we're done. That's all we're going to say. You know, if you, <laughs> if you distribute, I don't know, 500,000 of these VHSs, cut a little bit of tape, it'll add up. Yeah, so I think that's what they were trying to do here, because these trailers are all 30 second spots. First one we see is Jack Frost, that we mentioned before. Uh, the family adventure that everyone's going to want to take home, Yuck. Jack Frost. It is the 30 second spot, and made me want to go back and watch Jack Frost for all the wrong reasons, but like I absolutely need to watch this thing again. To this day, I still make fun of my mom for owning it. I saw it at theaters when it came out. She displays it. Ooh. I don't know what's wrong with her. She loves it. Jack Frost, it's fun for the whole family. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and it's one of those um, 
A side, B side DVDs where one Ooh. side was full, one side was wide. Nice, yeah, because they've never bothered to uh, also upgrade it either. I'm sure if you bought the DVD today, it'd be exactly the same thing. Like they've they've been like, nah, nobody's buying this thing, <laughs> except assholes who want to make fun of it. I which I it. respect. I, and I do own it. <laughs> I don't know if I necessarily want to make fun of it, but it is just this weird oddity that I need to explore again. So what's our second one? Second trailer, we move on to another 30-second spot for New Lines, uh, because it's owned by Warner Brothers. Uh, big release for 99, Spy Who Shagged Me, which I were, that was like their big summer movie. That was New Line's big summer movie, and Warner's big summer movie was this one. I must have got a drink when that one came on. I don't remember. <laughs> I, it's gone but uh, I don't remember much of the film I remember the first and third I remember Goldmember and I remember the first one I love the first one I love the first I think it's a perfect movie perfect comedy anyway um, but yeah the second falls into the trap of just repeating the same jokes from the first yeah. one in a different way and hoping to get the same laugh so it's not very memorable but the trailer was a fun flashback we then jump to another like 30 seconds about or maybe this one's about a minute this one's just a little longer uh for the iron giant great um, movie yeah already felt the feels just during this like one minute spot that is one where you kind of judge a person of how they like movies like if you like the iron giant you can dislike a lot of other films that i that i like we can be friends. Yeah, I would, I would honestly like really be concerned if somebody really didn't like the Iron Giant. I'm like, why? Who hurt you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you might get a bad answer from that. <laughs> uh, we move on to a final thing that was actually kind of disappointing is they mention that there is going to be a video game called Steel Revolution. Get ready for a wild ride in this all-new action-adventure for the PC. Wild Wild West, the Steel Assassin. For Wild Wild West, which is a PC game, but then they show no footage from the game. And I was very disappointed by that. Uh, so the trailer doesn't show anything. It literally is just text on screen, and we see like a screenshot of it, basically. Ooh. Steel Assassin, I'm sorry. You just pulled it up right now. Yes, it is. PC game for Wild Wild West. real. Yeah, we don't see any footage from it, so, you know, whatever. Uh, and then, of course, after that little teaser, we get Stay Tuned After the Movie for the music videos, which got me so hyped. <laughs> you know what I was very disappointed didn't play before this film? The Burger King commercial. The delicious Western Whopper with melted cheddar cheese, crispy bacon, and tangy bullseye barbecue sauce. Go wild. Gordon! Gordon! Go west. Go to Burger King. When you have it your way, it just tastes better. Mmm. I, I remember the Burger King commercial very clearly. Uh, I, don't, I think they sold a special burger with it. Ooh. Oh, yeah, because remember they did the special burger for Small Soldiers as well? The Rodeo yeah. Burger, which they still have on the menu, which is fucking crazy. Like, I want to tell kids, like, that Rodeo Burger that's on this Burger King menu is the Small Soldiers Burger. <laughs> oh, man, I own that movie. You know that, right? Small Soldiers? Yeah. Oh, Clamp I own show. it, too. I fucking love that movie. Do you own the clamshell? Or yeah. Do you own... Okay, yeah. good. Then you're a real... <laughs> I'm a real Small Soldiers yeah. fan, okay? <laughs> Because after that, they decided not to spend the money on clamshells anymore, and they no. just sent it out in the regular box. Give me that fucking unnecessary plastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Let's go right into this feature presentation. And now, our feature presentation. Now, this movie is easy to make fun of. And so I'm gonna try to pull back. I am not gonna make fun of this movie at all. I'm just gonna marvel at the insanity because how this movie got made is beyond me. This is, this is honestly my first exposure to steampunk. And I'm sure for a lot of kids it was. Mm -hmm. Like, I've never seen a movie do this beforehand. Well, mine... In a big yeah. way. Mine was Tiny with the Rocketeer, which led me into Pulp Comics, mm -hmm. which steampunk, from what I'm not an expert, but from what I understand, Pulp Comics has, like, pulled a lot from it. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I love the look of this film. And, man, I used to defend it, I mean, violently. And let's see if younger Steve and older Steve agree. So we start off with a story that starts in 1869 after this American Civil War. And we get a bizarre opening scene where some dude is pulling a saw blade from a chopped off guy's head. Yes. We, we see this is our introduction to uh, Ted Lean's character. But we don't know. It's we don't know who it is yet. But uh, he's got the megaphone in his ear, and he's got the burnt eye. Mm -hmm. So he's already an interesting character that we see very early on in the film. And we see the magnetic device pull the blade through the guy's head. So I, I think at the very beginning of this, this sets up like, oh, this might be something good. I, I even when I watched this movie tape, uh, I was like. Okay, starts out fine. That's interesting. What the fuck is that? Then the themes, the credits come up, and they are awesome. Yeah, very uh, 90s. Uh, this reminds me, actually, they did it kind of in the Avengers and I think like the Mod Squad uh, remakes, which are all, all of these are remakes of 60s shows because this was yeah. the late 90s. Everything was a remake of a 60s show. <laughs> oh, by the way, if you are a fan of Wild Wild West TV series, good for you. I've never seen it. I've never seen any of it. No. Yeah. Um, but... Didn't even know this was a remake, honestly. Until we sat down to do research, <laughs> I, I think I'd heard it, but I forgot. Yeah, this is a this is a '60s Western TV show that doesn't have any basis in steampunk or anything like that. It is no. just a you know low rent bonanza kind of show. Well, this is where the '90s was in love with the '60s. Yes. And so they were remaking all these things, and it has, like I said, a very Avengers slash. And I'm not talking about. Fucking Marvel Avengers, fucking boring shit. I'm talking about Sean Connery controlling the weather Avengers. <laughs> um, and uh, which, by the way, I don't think Avengers is boring. I, I I'm not the Matt here. But, <laughs> so don't all your hate mail should go to Matt. Send it my way. I like the first Avengers movie, and then it just falls off for me. <laughs> but uh, I'm talking about the Sean Connery controlling the weather movie, and then the Mod Squad does the same thing with these like pulpy colors and like the sort of like strips 
of action happening over the credits. And it starts off with the original 60s theme as it starts, and then we get the 90s remix cool version of it as the credits go on. I, I love the credits, and the, I think they did a spectacular job, and then it goes to from downhill from there. <laughs> I love the credits. This, these credits remind me of the Lost in Space credits, but you know the Lost in Space credits are like my fucking favorite ever, so... <laughs> well, you are a true monster. <laughs> uh, yeah, and we move on from, yeah, a really weird and cool and wild opening scene and fun credits to... Will Smith uh, hooking up with somebody in a water tower. Uh, the girl from Jamie Foxx's show on the WB. Yeah, she's super, she's like a familiar character actress. Oh, the WB, uh, Wild Wild West produced, uh, distributed by WB. Ooh, she was probably under contract. <laughs> she, she was probably under contract. <laughs> she actually um, turned into something. Uh, so uh, I don't know her from much, but she's uh, I've seen her. You a know. strong actress in a lot of TV series. Yes, I've seen her before. <laughs> she's fun in this scene, too, uh, where they're hooking up, but he's working. He's on a, on a scout trying to find these guys no, that are they're moving. doing it in a fucking water tower. That's disgusting. Yes. I have a problem with that. Yeah. Like, I was like, no, 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 no. Because... You don't know how big this town is. What if that's your only water tower? Yeah, and you're going to taste sex water. That's what you're going to taste. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. Naked ass and sweat and sex water. And apparently he bust a, a nitro run. They were stealing nitro. Yes. And the water tower falls. He comes down butt ass naked. And we get our first, like, inward joke. Like, we got a shot, and he punches him. Yeah. Well, well, we got us a shy Hands! Yes. I, I was... This movie Ooh. is filled, filled with, like, racist comments, and, like, it's, and I'm not saying in a way where it's like, oh man, this movie's out of date. They say racist thing. Like it is. It's supposed to be showing characters at this time who don't, you know, accept black people. It's 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 not. I'm not criticizing. This is the movie. right after slavery ends. Like yeah. I get in a way what they're trying but to like, do. But like there was so much in this movie for the masses. Yeah. And I'm like, ah. <laughs> like, what I don't get is like it's clearly supposed to be for families. Right. But there are sex jokes. Slave jokes, gay panic jokes. Yes. The almost inward joke. Well, inward jokes. We'll yes. just say. And I'm like, what? Wait, why are we? Oh, but this fucking like sex jokes. Like this movie should have been tailored towards the adults bringing their kids to introduce. No, this it. is for ten year old boys yeah. and ten year old boys only. And well, it's like the tone is all over the place because there's murder. There's like savage moments. We get a guy get decapitated in the first 30 seconds. Yes. And like, also, like, this movie does not hold back in that, like, we see like Will Smith's nuts in this scene. I was that, I know. And I'm like, whoa, I just saw like some turkey neck for no reason. Like, <laughs> I, I was trying to figure out, is that really him or is that a stunt guy? Well, a stunt guy or Will Smith or whoever, we see nuts it's, in this movie. It's a, <laughs> it is like one frame. 
But, but it is there. enough. It is there. It Where is. my brain is like, I know that. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Ooh, there is a sack in this movie. Uh, uh, very weird. early on when he falls out of the water tower. Uh, and then we get, and we find out his name is Jim West. So if you don't know that, I don't know if I mentioned it. So uh, the next character we get introduced to is Artemis Gordon, which is dressed up as a very ugly saloon girl. Yes. And that is, that is a joke that they rely on for most of this movie. It's like, remember how ugly Kevin Klein looked as a woman? And it's like, woo, you guys keep going back to that one. <laughs> remember, ladies, if you're ugly, you're horrible. Yeah, God, so mean. So mean. Well, I, like, if you would have done it one time, like, please don't ever dress up like a woman again because you don't look anything like it. I'd have been like, fair enough. Yeah. You know um, what? People... It doesn't matter. You know what? If an, if a dude dresses up like a woman and it looks horrible, fine. Call attention to it. It can be a funny joke. But don't keep doing it's it. It's a crutch. It yeah, is a crutch like, in this movie. Yeah. Like, wanna, Jesus, stop it. Again, if you're making a movie for 10-year-old boys, it's a joke that works once. But again, yeah, this over-reliance on it, like, is insane. <laughs> yeah, where it makes me, like... I just don't feel right about it. There's something where I'm like, stop it. Yes. And it's not funny. Yeah, no, it's like, it's like Kevin Klein is in drag and that is the joke, but it's like, there's no, there's no joke there. Well, it's just like, look at that man in the dress. And it's like, well, that's not inherently funny. Like, why are we, oh, yeah. Okay, this move, so, we'll move on. It's uh, just, it, we, yeah. Then we get introduced to the actress that is basically barely used in this. We get Selma Hayek as Rita, who is also saloon girl, but is kind of different than all the other saloon girls because one, she's gorgeous. Yeah, because like when they show when there's the scene where Ted Levine's character wants to hook up with one of the girls at the bordello or whatever, this saloon where there are the prostitutes. He goes through a lineup of all of them, and they all have, like, giant sores, and, like, their hair is falling out, and, like, they've gone over the top with, like, the STD disease thing. No need. We got it, okay? (laughs) Like, just tone it. That's what this whole movie needs to do. Less gadgets, tone it down, okay? Just... Can we back up a little bit? I don't know. I think the not toning it down is what makes this movie so memorable. It is so over the top. Like, I feel like it's screaming at me. There's another scene. You got the most, like, extreme makeup person you could find. Yes. And there's, this is another scene. In this same scene, very early on in the movie, we now have seen Ted Levine's character a couple times. He's sitting there admiring Selma Hayek and then eventually interested in Kevin Klein, which is hilarious, but... A big, sturdy guy like you? (laughs) He fucking empties his ear, which is just the sickest, and I'm never going to be able to get this image out of my head again. Oh, I forgot about... That's disgusting. And it's just a passing joke in the movie, but I'm like, no, that shit's fucking severely damaging. Don't just gloss over that. Like... (laughs) That's so they only do it once yeah. in the movie, and they only do it once at the beginning. But it is so shocking and disgusting that, like, I'll never be able to get that out of my head. Yeah, and then outside, oh man, yeah, that's gross. Uh, outside the actual saloon, Jim West stops the nitro chain, uh, nitro wagon. 
and then he has like eagle eye vision, which they actually come back to another time in the film, but they don't actually, they show, they don't tell. So, okay, I'll give you that, uh, that he has fantastic vision. Probably mm. what makes him such a good shot. Right, probably. It's probably in the yeah. show also. Probably, but they don't, they don't call attention to it in this movie. You just kind of like figure it out. Yeah. So he goes right in there to get Bloodbath McGrath, which is trying to hook up with Artemis Gordon, dressed up as a prostitute. We get into a big old fun saloon fight. Uh, Jim West ends up like getting into the same room with um, Jim West because he is hypnotizing Bloodbath McGrath with a gadget yes. that breaks. Yes. Which is kind of becoming a running, will become a running theme in this where Artemis Gordon's disguises and gadgets are almost good right like not 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 until the end does he get something right right so you know that's like the kid joke it's like hey kids isn't it funny yeah but it's like also like all these gadgets it's like oh these are here to sell toys like (laughs) fucking lame uh yeah it's it's absolutely insane early on but Whoever got to do those props, kudos because they're good. They're amazing. Yeah. They're fucking amazing because everything, everything like props wise in this movie is tangible. It's all really there, and like they are fucking amazing designs. I'm impressed with the amount of real, realness. I mean, yes. like I don't know how other way. It, it there's a lot of real in this. Yeah, I mean, basically, other than the over the top huge things like the giant mechanical yeah. until we get everything's to the real in this movie. Everything. Yeah, spectacular props throughout this. Now, it might be cheesy as fuck, but those production designers, good job. Yeah, God. Also, the costume design. Amazing. Yeah. All these costumes are iconic for them. Like, if you're like, hey, Will Smith in Wild Wild West, you immediately picture what he looks like in this yes. movie. It's iconic. Good job. So, then we see Loveless, which we don't know is Loveless at the time, and he sends the cart down to blow up the bar. I, I don't even know why he blows it up. Well, he's like, all right, they're fighting in there. Jim West is in there. Let's just take care of him. Sends this thing down. It goes to blow up in the thing. Uh, Artemis and Jim West look at each other because they're fighting because they don't know each other yet. And they're like, yeah. got in each other's way. They're fighting. And they go, now what? And the place explodes. And we just cut to black. <laughs> we don't know what happens to them. We don't know like how they survive this blast. We don't know... like where they went after like we know nothing the place just explodes cut to next scene everybody's fine (laughs) yeah my notes go like this art at the very end it says dr arliss loveless blows up the bar then we are at white house yes (laughs) it is completely insane and i was like do we miss something with something just like but, like, you know what? It it's keeps, called a cutscene. <laughs> keeps the movie moving. I'm not mad at it. I'm just pointing it out. <laughs> so, we get uh, next Artemis dressed up as Grant, the president, which is a fantastic job. Yeah, and also Kevin Klein plays Grant when the real Grant comes yes. out as well, which is just wonderfully weird. <laughs> <laughs> and, I did not know he was playing the real Grant. Until years after this, I was like, no, no, he plays the fake Grant. And someone's like, no, he plays the real Grant, too. And I'm like, no, 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 you're an idiot. (laughs) Turns out I'm the idiot. Well, I mean, the makeup is really good. Yes. And he's doing a different voice and everything like that. Kevin Klein's an amazing actor. So, like, 
Fair enough. But, like, yeah, it yeah. is the same. <laughs> so, basically, he's there to drop a ridiculous amount of exposition. Uh, I will give them the scene is fine for the exposition dump. Uh, if you're going to do this, at least make it interesting. Well, they break it up with a bunch of jokes yeah. and everything like that. And it's Will Smith's charisma and Kevin Klein's yeah. whimsy. It works. Well, Kevin Klein's like, dumb, smart guy. Mm-hmm. Weird line they're trying to... Have him, you know, tiptoe through. Uh, we find out all the scientists, the leading scientists, and all the main, you know, chemistry, mathematics, whatever. They've all been kidnapped. No one knows where they're at. Uh, and the president makes them work together, which, oh no, this is part of the, we don't work together, we work alone. Yes. Is we've got the, uh, kind of like the moxie, shoot from the hip, don't think, jump in. You know, Gym shoot last, first, yeah. shoot last, shoot again, ask questions after everyone's dead. Yeah. And then we get the overthinker and the guy who just, like, has to dress up in all the costumes and be, like... Very theatrical with his... Yes. You know, uh, interrogations and things like that, so... So, we get them together. Uh, they get on the super amazing train called the Wanderer, which, when I was younger, fucking loved it. Now, I look at it and I'm like... Yeah, it's a cool looking train, but why are there? I mean, come on, slow down on the gadgets. But you know what? I do rip the Bond films a lot sometimes, but I feel like they figured out like only have about two or three gadgets. Nah, I don't like the Bond films. Give me more. Give more is more. No, more is more, baby. No. Give me a ton of them. <laughs> there I is a such thing as too much in this film. Do I yeah, it? I'm not saying defending this film, but I'm a more is more kind of person. I don't like the Bond films. I like oh, oh, give me a lot of shit. You're, you're, but your audience this, can't keep up with it, and not only that, it feels like your production studio can't keep up with it. They're like, wait, is this one important or not? I don't know. <laughs> and also, just like yeah, once we get to this scene and everything, and we are introduced to a thousand gadgets at once. This is where the movie just feels like a super like coked up mile a second movie like everything is just flying at us at this point i i love the scene where uh i I love the contraption and how they made it look in the film where uh kevin klein flips will smith underneath the pool table and everything that scene looks incredible and like only a weirdo psychopath like barry sonnefeld could pull this off but it looks really cool did you notice he also put the don't touch button in which he did men in black yeah yeah. With the super speed on the car. Yeah. Wait, is that like something he has to put in a film? Like, I didn't, I thought that was odd. I was like, as a super nerd, maybe that would only stand out to me. And oh, there's, yeah. there is one, and we'll, we're going to get to it in a second, but there is one visual gag in this movie that is just for such deep cut nerds that I don't know why it's in this movie. We're going to get to it in a second, okay. though. But there's something like that where I'm like, who is this joke for? <laughs> like, There's a lot of jokes that I think could fall into that, but I'm interested to see which one you're going to pull out. Uh, so they're on the train, um, and they look at the scientists. They find the clue of the severed head scientist at the beginning. Yes. He has like some contraption that shows the last what someone last saw, and it happens to be Bloodbath McGrath. It's upside down. You need glasses on the scientists. And then we get... Will Smith's super eyes. He reads the invitation, and it is an invitation to a party down in Louisiana, New Orleans. Yes, 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 yes. They go to New Orleans first. Yeah. 
Well, they go to New Orleans and then Utah. Yes. So, yeah, I was trying to think so, of which one they went to first. It, it's just, and then we go straight to the party, basically, and... I want to point out, though, the head scene is incredible. Well, that's, again, like... When it's such a cool... It's like, I mean, that is... Will Smith keeps saying, like, that's a severed head. Makes me laugh, though. It works. His delivery is wonderful in that scene. That is Will Smith. Will yeah. Smith probably, like, ad-libbed all that. And they're yeah. like, keep it! Because it's Will Smith. That's a severed head. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's oh, wait, so and, funny. And Kevin Klein's just like like saying mumbo jumbo. I don't remember one damn thing he says. All I remembered is that's a severed <laughs> head. And like the way he pronounces it, love it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, they go down to New Orleans. They come and they sneak into a party. Oh, yeah, you know what? On the train, that's when we get the gay panic. Let me tell you something about your beloved art of disguise, Gordon. That night at Fat Cans, it wasn't a difficult task to see that you weren't a woman. I was propositioned by three men. You looked nasty, just butt ugly. I mean, your breasts were hard and stiff and sticking out like a couple of rusty cannons on a sunken ship. These breasts are a work of art, aesthetically and scientifically perfect. They look like shit. Touch them. I'm not touching those things. What are you afraid you're wrong? Touch my breast. Just one. Touch one. Okay. You happy, Gordon? I'm touching your breast. I knew it. Wait, wait, wait. Squeeze it gently. Not that hard. Now you've shifted all the buckwheat around. Buckwheat? That's your problem. What are you doing? Now touch my breast. Ooh, huh? Now that's what a breast is supposed to feel like. Very nice. Now touch yourself. Oh my God, I'm hard. And then there's like a reference to uh, a blowjob too. And then like, yeah, yes. the... Well, like, okay. So I don't mind the booby feeling one, honestly. It's when you pair it with the blowjob one, and I think there's another. Yeah, it happens again. Well, and, and I mean, I guess it could be said in defense of this movie, but I'm not. I'm not going to defend it because it's it's still a joke in the movie that is meant for audiences to laugh, and it's kind of fucked up. But I can see them saying like, "Oh, it's that time. It's the 1860s. That wasn't a man's got to be a man type thing." I get yeah, it. but this, this is... Not, it, they're still using it as a joke. It's still... This is a period piece movie that isn't a period piece. Yeah, it's it's a nondescript, yeah. fantastical time. It is Western meets steampunk. So. It's just like, you know what? You can do one gay joke like that. Just don't make it offensive. Don't make it like, oh, if you're gay, you're bad. Which they kind of do. Yeah. So it's not great. It's not great. Yeah. Well, it's the train conductor. That yes. makes it feel bad. He's just like, I knew something was wrong with them. Right. And you're like, right. no, that's it's not like, no. Like, no, 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 no. If you just would have done like touch my boob and he would have been like and then just walked off with a funny look on his face. That's all you need to do. That's all that's you need. That's all you need to do. Yeah. That's, they they punctuate a little too hard yeah. and it was kinda not okay. That's what they fucking do throughout this entire film. They punctuate everything too hard. Well, we're gonna get to the insult off scene that goes a little bit too far as well. Oh wow. That one, yeah. <laughs> so well yeah, let's skip straight. Uh they're at a party, East meets West, uh you know, Jim West is attractive. They have 
Loveless has these women henchmen. Yes, that's his thing. Yeah, he has all these women bodyguards, henchmen, and they're all intelligent. Like, they all have their thing. Like, there's one who can read the lips. Right. There's one who's like, I think her name is even, it's not ammunition, it's Munisha. Munisha, and she's the gun. Yeah, she's the gun. Uh, Jim West kills Miss East, and a clever gag where a bunch of people were inside shooting. Yeah, Yeah. and the very, like, Barry Sonnenfeld punctuation on that joke is when he shoots all the pictures and they all fall down. He walks out of the room and somebody falls from the ceiling. Great times. Hilarious. That was one where I was like, okay, that felt like his gag. Yeah, that was a good, that was a good bit. It was really yeah. and, and then we go into the party where Jim West bumps into Loveless, which, by the way, the introduction to Loveless is spot on. It is spectacular. <laughs> he knows what film he's in. And would you like to introduce the actor? This film features Academy Award winner Kenneth Branagh in this film giving probably one of his best performances for obviously one of the worst movies he's in, but he gives more than 110%. This guy is fucking on fire in this movie. I think him and Ted Levine know what type of film they're in. They get it. Will Smith is doing his shtick, Kevin Klein is doing his shtick that he was doing at the time, but those two are the unsung heroes of this movie because they are like, oh, this movie's just fucking nonsense, so I'm gonna just play it at 11 the whole time. <laughs> but their characters also feel like they're from this time period. Yes. Will Smith and Kevin Klein feel just like oddballs. Well, it's modern. It's a lot of modern comedy yeah. with them. It's a lot of like the modern cool guy with Will Smith and the comedic sidekick with Kevin Klein. Yes. But with Kenneth Branagh, he embodies this role. I he didn't even just... know it was Kenneth Branagh for... The first 10 years of watching this movie. <laughs> like, he disappears in this role. And it does lead to a scene that I think is both terrible, but also kind of hilarious. The insult off that I just mentioned. How nice of you to join us tonight and add color to these monochromatic proceedings. Well, when a fella comes back from the dead, I find that an occasion to stand up, be counted. Miss East informs me that you're expecting to see General McGrath here. Well, I knew him years ago, but I haven't seen him in a coon's age. Well, I can see where it'd be difficult for a man of your stature to keep in touch with even half the people you know. Well, perhaps the lovely Miss East will keep you from being a slave to your disappointment. Well, you know beautiful women, they encourage you one minute and cut the legs out from under you the next. Quiet. Excuse me, Mr. West. Thank you. Oh, it is so uncomfortable, but at the same time, could have watched that for the rest of the movie. <laughs> like, I'm trying to figure out, because I knew this movie went through expensive reshoots. Well, test audiences couldn't figure out if this was a comedy or a drama, mm-hmm. which annoys me because I think you've done your job then. Because you're just in the film. But because they listen to teenagers... They're like more comedy. Yeah. And yeah, basically this this insult off that we're referencing is Kenneth Branagh makes a ton of black jokes and uh, Will Smith makes a ton of you have no legs jokes. And... Uh, Crippled jokes. uh, Like that's basically what... Let's call it as it is. It is 
cripple jokes. Oh, can you, do you not have legs from the war? Well, then fuck you. Oh, are you black? Well, fuck you. Yeah, <laughs> it is insane. Like, and there's only one other, this comes back one more time. They kind of do a reprise of it at the end. But like, this scene, there's so many problems with this. I will give but the like, actors. At the same time, I'm laughing. It's working. Uh, I, I will give the actors credit. They 100% committed to this. Yes. So, kudos. And, like, they are obviously extraordinarily offensive jokes, but I feel like they're sort of improv, which just gives me, like, a little a little taste of the darkness in both of their brains, and it's kind of fun to watch. The one that got me was, I haven't seen him in a coon's age. Yeah. Oh, God, it's so bad. Um, yeah. So then they uh, they do the fake hanging of Will Smith because he was playing drums on a robust lady's boobies. Yes, because he thinks it's Kevin Klein dressed up again, and it's not. Kevin Klein is dressed up like uh, the Russian, you know, whatever they call him. Yeah, the woman is just a woman with big boobs, and he drums on them, and so they're gonna hang him. Thank God they didn't do a fat joke. I thought they were going to yeah, do a no, fat they, joke. They just went with big boobs on that one. Um, and yeah, they're going to hang him, but it's a rubber rope, and he naturally gets away, and he escapes and, with well, Arliss. And Arliss rescues Rita so she can continue to not do much in this Yeah, movie. so they can continue to fight over her, and she's not interested in either of them anyway. <laughs> but, yeah, because they, they do... When they're on the train, we have another fucking gag where it's just like oh if you and this one they don't even wait a while to pay off they're like oh if you press this button on the the pool ball it turns into like a gas that knocks you out and so they're following loveless loveless has the train that like has legs and like stands up outside of a tunnel so they pass him and then loveless goes down well then no this is later this is later that's later? Yeah. Now is oh, the ass gag is now. Right? I, no, we also forgot to say that God, this is there's so much going on in this film. Because also we see the death of Bloodbath McGrath and his men. This is the this has the visual gag in it. That why is this in this film? So yeah, so we're skipping ahead there a little bit. Yeah, basically they go on the train with some hype or whatever. We cut to Loveless mows down all of Bloodbath McGrath's soldiers in a demonstration of this new thing he's building and how, you know, they need to perfect it or whatever. And in turn, then murders McGrath. When he dies, his fucking ear thing turns sideways and the little dog runs up to it to do the RCA Records logo, which... Oh my gosh, yeah! Which what? I pulled up here for reference. What? That they literally do a visual gag joke reference to that. I've heard it, about this in the past. In the movie, and I'm like, why the fuck is this in here? Does <laughs> Someone has to own some stock in RCA. Maybe I was curious if they put out the record for the... Maybe they did. They didn't. Interscope did. I don't know. It's very confusing. Which maybe, you know, maybe Interscope maybe owns it was RCA a, or something like that. Maybe but. it was a 90s joke we don't get anymore. I, well, I don't know, it was like, clearly, the RCA label was clearly on the back of CDs, so kids probably knew it. You I know. don't know. It was weird. But the choice to have that 
in the movie, and I caught it right away when it happened this time. I because they, they turn the ear out, and the dog just runs up and cocks his head like the picture, and I was just like, "Do you ever see a records logo? Why?" <laughs> I don't know. That's it's a good catch. Uh, I actually, yeah, I remember hearing about that. I didn't catch it while watching this because there's so much going on. Like I'm sure we, there's weird shit like that throughout the movie yeah. that I will never catch. So Bloodbath McGrath dies. Jim West finds out that he's actually not responsible for the massacre at New Liberty, which at the point in this film, I had forgotten Jim West was after Bloodbath because of, because of that. Right. I completely forgot. You're right. Yeah, this is our reminder that he's not responsible. It's Loveless. So this, now this revenge. Is, so it was supposed to be like a lot of these films do that where like one of your characters has an enemy and the other one does. And it would make sense that Jim West would have bloodbath because they're both like the soldiers. Yeah. You know, like and then you'd have Loveless and Artemis because they're both intelligent and intellectuals and, intellectuals. and things like that. Yeah. But it turns out that Jim West doesn't even get to kill Bloodbath and then Jim West has the basically one on one with Loveless at the end. I, I don't I'm like, what? That's why I think the making fun of each other was added at the end. Where yeah. it's just like, you know what? Why would Jim West fight him at the end? Well, we need more comedy. Let's put this scene in. I don't know. That is just me completely guessing. Yeah, I, I have no idea. But, like, yeah. So now we get to the ass joke, which Selma Hayek is going to bed on the train. And the flap is down on the, the nightie that Jim West gives her. We see her ass, and then they go back and forth saying breast and ass replaced in sentences that they're saying, which is just another, like, gag well, in the movie. Yeah, this one didn't offend me so no, much. No, it's, it's not offensive. Other it's than just it just wasn't, <laughs> it's not funny. Yeah, it's just dumb. If you would have done it one time, he's like, what are you breast talking? You know, something like that. Right. And, then, and then Jim West would have looked at him, and then he would have looked back at him. Cut. Yeah, no, there's, there's, there's your fix right there, but, like... They do it back and forth three or four times, and it's like, ooh, this is, yeah, this is like some old-timey comedy you're trying out that is just spectacularly failing, like... Yeah, it also could be a poop joke, because her flap was down. Did she just take a number two? Yeah, they could have went that way. I don't know. Ten-year-old boy humor. Yeah. Who knows? Let's yeah. get to the fucking Let's get, Okay, so, <laughs> fuck it. We go to Utah, and they capture Rita... They end up in a field. They can't step outside this box because they have the magnetic net things on. Yeah. Of course, Jim West just goes, fuck it. I'm getting out of this box. Runs. The saw with the spider logo. Yeah, comes after that. Comes after Which them. is like a scene that's very memorable from like the teaser trailer, I think, yeah. for this movie. Yeah. So I remember it's very iconic to this but movie. because another, There's another little boy joke in here. It's a penis joke. His machine that fires the saws looks like a giant dick. And yeah, he says, he's like, I've got Rita now. When he's taunt, when Loveless is taunting them, I've got Rita now. You don't think I could build something to like take advantage of her with? Cut to the machine. And I, it's literally throbbing right, yeah. forward. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> I'm going to have to open another beer after that joke because I could not believe they put that in. <laughs> So I got my beer, break over, uh, we get the penis joke, and then right after they jump into the mud kit, uh, the mud pit, we get a blowjob joke. Yes, they keep getting magnetized to each other because, yeah, they've avoided the trap, they fell into shit, and now they keep getting magnetized to each other, which naturally 
Jim was gets magnetized to Kevin Klein's belt buckle and blowjob joke once again. There we are. Here we are again. <laughs> yeah. Roll my eyes. Move on. Giant mechanical yeah. spider. <laughs> and then somehow they get to the Golden Rail Award where Grant is going to, I don't know, knock in this golden spike for the railroad, whatever. And then Klein shows up. And then we get in the background because we kept hearing stomping. And when they reveal it's a giant spider, mechanical spider, that is really where this movie just goes, fuck it. Uh, I, re- I mean, even movie, after all the shit we've described, this is where the movie truly just goes, fuck it. Guys, if you've never seen this movie, and like, yeah, I'm sure you guys know of Mechanical Spider. It's you know, on the cover. It's on the poster. Everybody knows about it from this movie. This movie is insane. Like, I can't even begin to describe just the nonsensical moving of the plot. There, the vil- The villain is a legless dude who drives a giant robotic fire-breathing mechanical spider. Like, let's sit on that for a second. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> In what world would this be a smart weapon? Like, if there's tanks in this world, which there aren't at this time period... But well, there are cannons. He's clearly building a tank-like thing, which he then turns into this. It's like, why didn't you just go with the tank? So <laughs> if you would use, realistically, if you would use something that would cost this much resources in, I don't know, oil, steam, coal, whatever. Whatever you say would use this. One good shot with a cannon would knock the leg out under it. Boom, you'd be on the ground. Which is what happens when... We, when it's revealed that Kenneth Branagh has the mechanical legs as well. Yes. When like his, his chair gets trapped and he's fighting with Jim West, he reveals the legs. Literally, Arliss just shoots one of the legs, all the fucking oil comes out, and he, they fall and they don't work. Yes. And that's all you need to do with this giant thing. Yeah. But instead of that, they saw in the desert on their way there a wasp sting and kill a tarantula so they're like oh let's fly in like a wasp and that's how they get in there and of course the flying invention does work and the the bit where they fall off and it waits a really long time for them to fly back in works pretty well because the timing's pretty good but like uh yeah they fly on and then they have this big fight and so they jim west is fighting with all the henchmen and can we just talk about the line when are you talking about the the hanging like where he hangs the guy by the chain i literally wanted to scream just just scream should i just play the audio clip or do you want to say it also just just play the audio clip that's it no more mr knife guy was this okay what is the most surprising out of all these jokes that we've talked about this one. Is it? Uh, no I, I more mean, Mr. Knife Guy? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> well, like, this one isn't offensive, dated, or uncomfortable. It's just embarrassing. Yes. It hurts me. Honestly, I'll take more of the insults. None of this. The, None of the bad one-liners. It's so bad. <laughs> this is the first one that made me slap my forehead. Where I was like, oh... I, I screamed. I oh. screamed. 
<sighs> anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, Jim West. Uh, well, no, I think Go- Gordon shoots the line that releases all the oil. Yeah, and, and then the the spider starts to stop. Jim West is fighting Loveless. Loveless crawls back, like begging. To get back in his... Did he crawl back in a wheelchair or his other spider? Well, you know, he climbed back in the wheelchair. Yeah, that's right. Stuck yeah. in the wall, in the gears or whatever. We should also mention uh, Loveless's costume for war is is so over the top and brilliant. Like, it's just... It is basically what this actor is doing for this role. It's just unnecessary and beautiful at the same yes, time. Yes, unnecessarily gigantic. Yes. <laughs> But he crawls back and he's like, please don't kill me, Jim West. And then he tries to shoot him with a hidden gun. He hits the steam pipe. The spider stops before the cliff. And they go flying. Yeah. Off. And then I, then the insult off happens once again. Yeah, they did it again. And they bring it back. And I remember, I don't remember what the trade-off was. And honestly, if I did remember, I don't want to say it either. <laughs> but uh, it was funny this time. They, like, saved the good jokes well, for this well, one. Well, at this point, I was done with the film, so I didn't care as much. But basically, yeah, like, he drops uh, Loveless. He's dead. And then, like, they get the spider. They build the railroad, and all is fine. And well, someone hides, yeah. like, I was married the whole time. Yeah. I wasn't interested in either of you. <laughs> well, now that I rewatched this film, I picked up that the scientist's name was Escobar. And they never say Rita's last name. So, you can kind of put it together now. Yeah, yeah, obviously. Like a Latin name with a Latin woman, you know, you're just like, oh, yes, for 10-year-old boys? Really, you think you should put this together, but I never did as a youngin. No, but what you're supposed to put together, and she mentions it, is what you're supposed to think that's her father. Yes, yeah. And she says, oh, all this time you thought it was my father. It's my husband. You know, because she can't have any identity on her own. It has to be a man who is her identity. (laughs) That's a a 90s problem we got to deal with in and of itself. (laughs) Women have ideas. (laughs) The only thing that defines her is chasing after her dad, which ends up being her husband. She has nothing. She's quirky. She She says quirky things about them. So dumb. Not dumb. I don't think she's no, but that's dumb. what they're they're portraying here. I see. I didn't get dumb. I, I got quirky. I got like, oh, she's just a bit odd. Uh, you know, I don't, I, know. I don't I think quirky. maybe maybe some maybe of I'm the defending this movie yeah, too much. But. Maybe some maybe originally she was written as quirky, but somehow down the line she, she just turned got dumbed dumb. down. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, Jim West and Artemis Gordon become the number one and number two Secret Service agents. They fight about who's number one. Grant rolls his eyes, and then we find out that they ride off into the sunset in a giant spider. Yes, in a giant mechanical spider that is now theirs. <sighs> wow. Unbelievable. Before we move on, we have to talk about then what comes after the tape, after Music. the film. Kids, you might not know this. But there are these things where songs have videos, music videos, and they used to play on MTV, not YouTube. Before, well, and also, I feel like nowadays the kids don't even watch music videos on YouTube. They just listen to Spotify and that's it. Like, but back in these days, there still were. Yeah. And even better, I remember the making a video of this because it was a big fucking deal that they were going to be like we're going to not only debut the music video for Wild Wild West first we're going to show you the making of 
and then we're going to debut it. Yeah, the marketing for this film with the making of the movie, the making of the music video, the Burger King commercials, the just a nauseating like 30 second TV spot. This movie blanket covered just like Independence Day did and it didn't work. Also, that I, I remember reading somewhere, and we can talk about this in behind the scenes in a second, but I figure I just cover it now before we get into the music videos. Uh, I read somewhere too that Wild Wild West actually made uh, a bunch of money from teenagers buying tickets for it to go see the South Park movie because they came out the same weekend. So they figured that a lot of the ticket sales from that opening weekend were actually teenagers buying tickets for that and sneaking into South Park. Because South Park kind of bombed when it came out in theaters. Like, it broke even or whatever, but it wasn't a big hit. And they figured, and they, like, researched it, and they were kids sneaking, buying tickets to Wild Wild West and sneaking into South Park. So a lot of their ticket sales weren't even for this movie. (laughs) South Park was one of the ones that was banned in my house. uh, Because we were old enough to watch it. Or at least I was. Mm-hmm. Well, in my mind, right. I was old enough. But yeah, my mom hated South Park. Every most, mom hated yeah, South Park. Most likely, a lot of the big, a big point was for the sheer fact that I would walk around doing Carmen. Me, me, yeah. me, Pepe. Everybody did that. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. And was, she hated his voice. Hated it. Yeah. Uh, we put that up. Uh, we had a most wanted list with my mom, and Cartman was on there, and Tommy Boy, or Chris Farley, mm-hmm. and then a lot of the wrestlers that she didn't like. We always say the most wanted, and we figured that she hated fat people. <laughs> so we'd always tease her like, "Ma'am, why do you hate fat people? <laughs> Don't you want to be nice to the fatties?" And then I was a fat kid, so I would be like, "You hate me." Like I was, I was that dramatic kid. That's hilarious. <laughs> so um, anyway, let's get yeah. music videos. Do you? Uh, oh no, we're yeah, music videos. So the Wild West video. Wonderful. Awesome. Gunning this, brother running this, buffalo soldier. Look, it's like I told you. Any damsel that same distress, be out of that dress when she meet Jim West. Wonderful. <laughs> I, honestly, I don't really have a lot to say about it because I could just watch it forever and be fine with it. I love seeing Cisco again and then remembering, oh yeah, Cisco. But Drew Hill at the time. Remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah. It was Drew Hill. Yeah. Wait, so he was Drew Hill and then Cisco? Yes. Wait, Cisco was the silver hair. Cisco was silver hair thong song. Drew Hill was like the R and B romantic. Yeah, song. that's why he says Drew Who, Drew yeah. Who in the song. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, same person, is, it is same Cisco, person to me. Though. Yes, it same is character. Cisco. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah, he did like the Hannah Montana like character thing, but like, yeah, he's yeah. the same person. Uh, wonderful. Stevie Wonder shows up. No, that's Alfonso another. Shows up in the video. That's another example of the white man stealing the black man's uh, art. Cisco was Drew Hill. And here comes fucking Miley, hey, Miley Cyrus in Montana. God damn it, she got a TV show. Fucking Disney. Anyway, wonderful video, uh, which is then followed by the Balamos video, which isn't really super... It doesn't have footage from Wild Wild West or anything in it. Basically, they just walk in in cowboy hats at the beginning, and that's it. I don't really understand 
why this is at the end of the like was this it's on the soundtrack it's from the soundtrack i uh scott rogered the soundtrack that means you skip it oh okay you listen to the first few seconds uh scott roger from horror movie night also part of the geekscape network has created a verb called scott rogering something which is you fast forward through a movie okay we did not fast forward through the movie but you did fast forward through the soundtrack I'm a huge Dr. Dre fan, believe it or not. How was it? Was it terrible? Uh, I would assume um, it would be terrible. We'll see. I have the I have the YouTube Red, so I get to watch the the music videos. Uh, that one, uh, it was just '90s. Okay. It's just I don't get why Dr. Dre's on this like soundtrack because Dr. Dre's you know is known being a gangster rapper, and then you have Will Smith, which is like positivity rapping. Yeah, safe, safe rap. Yeah, I, I don't. Probably because it was popular at the time. The Chronic 2001 was coming out, so that's probably why. Yeah. All right, well, whatever. Whatever. Yeah, it is. Okay. (laughs) So those are our videos. I have uh, almost stuck in my head all day today and probably will for the next month, but that wraps up our tape for this movie. Um, If you see this in the store, do you pick it up? Oh, gotta. This this is amazing. It is a relic for the 90s. It is uh, definitely a window to that time, and it, it is, is complete insanity. It's a bizarre misfire that appeals to no one because it's trying to appeal to everyone, but it ends up accidentally appealing to, like, trash fans. I was uncomfortable for a majority of this film. However, I could not look away and, like, when I, like, had to pause it to go, like, do something else, like, go to the bathroom or get, like, food or something, I was literally running back to the couch to, like, pick it back up. Like, I needed to finish yeah. it. Like, <laughs> So, let's go. You know what? we got a lot to talk about just, like, nerding out on this film. So, let's put something in our museum now. So, entering okay. the museum. Okay. This is the second time I've had to reclaim my property from you. That belongs in a museum. So do you. This is the part of the show where we put something good or bad in it. If it's bad, we got to learn. If it's good, well, it's our nugget of gold. Matt, what do you got? (laughs) There is so much fucking stuff in this movie that I love, but obviously the most spectacular special effect in this movie is, of course, Kenneth Branagh, Academy Award winner Kenneth Branagh. Not just stealing every scene he's in, but fucking ripping it from your hands and holding it ransom. (laughs) Fucking. (laughs) He's amazing. I I have two things written down for this, Kenneth Branagh and the amazing costumes. So I will put in the costumes in this movie because... They're just spot on. And then when you go into more of the production design on it, it's beautiful. If you look at all the stuff they're in, the, you know, the White House, the Southern, you know, like ball, the the train, the wanderer, and, and then even, even the set design of the spider, which is, you know, completely ridiculous. But it's, you look in the background, it's beautiful. Yeah. It is done by high quality craftsmen, and I it, because this movie is such a joke, I don't think they get the credit they deserve. 
Yeah. So maybe I'm putting this in so the people behind the scenes can actually get some credit because it's it's awesome. Yeah. No, the the work that's put in. Even you know what? I'll even say like the dated special effects are still pretty amazing. There's so many little details in that spider. Yeah. It's, it's good work. Some good of it. Work. Some of it doesn't age well but, because they're they're trying way too much. But the work that's yes. there. But the good. work is there. Yeah. So I, I'm not like bashing the crafters. I'm bashing the people who decided this was the best way to go about it. You know, like so. so uh, you, yeah. Just before we, we're about to crack into the behind the scenes, yeah. uh, which I'm sure we're going to have to like burn through because well, there's so this much is, of it. This is kind of like a, a, a Mario Brothers episode. That one was so long because there's so much to talk about. Yeah. But just one other thing that like this this is actually that I've seen this movie like four times now. This is like the fourth time I've seen it. And also like three of those times have been within the last five years because people, I, I own this tape and people are like, you have wild, wild lust, put that on. I want to just see the insanity. So it makes for a great party movie. But this is the first time I noticed this. Two of the writers on this movie, the writers of Tremors, which blew my mind. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> yes. S.S. Wilson and Brett Maddock are like tremors heart and souls batteries not included these that's these guys two of the four credit writers on this movie okay that surprises me kind of insane right yeah so yeah let's get into the meat of this so the rest of this was part one let's go into part two of this <laughs> uh we gotta talk about john peters the producer the main producer on this this guy's this guy's borderline crazy Right, this guy's insane. This is the producer of Batman. Well, he, Tim Burton does not like him, but but loves his money. Right, and he was going to put up the money for Tim Burton to do Superman Lives after Batman. This is the notorious story. Kevin Smith wrote the script for Superman Lives. Tim Burton was going to direct it. John Peters was going to produce it. And Peters had one request for the movie. Make sure at the end, Superman fights a giant mechanical spider. <laughs> yes. And Kevin Smith was like, what? Are you kidding me? Are you are you serious? And he's like, put it in the script. We're not making this movie unless, spider, unless Superman fights a spider at the end. He's like, I got some directives for you. If you're going to move forward on the process, some things I want you to do and don't in the script. He's going, three things. Okay. I said, all right. One, I don't want to see him in that suit. Two, I don't want to see him fly. And three, he's got to fight a giant spider in the third act. I said, but the giant spider intrigues me. Why, uh, why that? And he's like, do you know anything about spiders? And I said, I mean, no. And he said, well, they're the fiercest killers in the insect kingdom. And I was like, what's, what's that have to do with our non-flying Superman? <laughs> Tim Burton, once he signs the deal, turns around and says, I'm going to bring on my guys to write the script. And the Warner Brothers guys were like, well, what about the script we're developing? And he said, I don't want to use that. I don't want to do my own script. So they turn around they tell me, like, Kevin, we're, we're kind of done. Tim wants to go another way with, with a new writer. And then I got shit canned off and I started throwing Superman stuff away because who needs to be reminded? <laughs> but I was really reminded... The next summer, when I went to the movies and saw a movie that John Peters had produced, 
and it was called the Wild Wild West. <laughs> so I'm sitting in the theater watching the movie. I'm like, good Lord, this is a piece of shit. But then all of a sudden, like a giant fucking spider shows up. Which, uh, this story is so fascinating that I actually finally watched The Death of Superman Lives, Mm -hmm. the documentary. Uh, John Peters actually goes on to completely deny that. Which is bullshit. Because. (laughs) Which is really funny is because later on in the documentary, he starts the, well, I don't remember thing. So it's kind of like, wait, you were very definitive that you didn't say all this stuff. But when you're talking about the Tim Burton around the exact same time, he doesn't remember. Right. So, spectacular bullshit. Right. So, and then the, the punchline of this story always, that I'm sure nerds that listen to this podcast have heard, but Kevin Smith says, he, the project is dead, Superman Lives isn't happening, Kevin Smith goes to the movie theater to see Wild Wild West, like everybody else does, the week comes out, they get to the end, and he goes, oh my god, there's my fucking giant mechanical spider yeah. on this John Peters movie, and that's well, how I got here. It's just, by the way, if you've not seen that documentary, it's fascinating, because I actually would have loved to seen the Tim Burton, Nicolas Cage, Superman. When you see the snapshot, it looks ridiculous, but actually when you see the suit fully functioning... Uh, you know, I would have seen it. Uh, you know, a lot of people laughed at him when he got Batman, and yeah. it was and spectacular fucking cultural phenomenon. Yeah. So, so it, it really changed. It changed. I mean, how genre films were made. First of all, you had Batman. It's the only reason Dick Tracy could spend a hundred million dollars. I mean, Batman kicked in an entire genre of these dark, but dark man. comic. Literally, is a, Dark Man is made because of Batman. Yeah, like all of these movies. Batman kicked in the door for him, so God bless him. But, uh, yeah, that's John Peters. He's a bit of a nutcase. He also did The Money Train, which is tailor-made for us. Like, <laughs> just like the fucking Analog Jones should do Money Train, because that is fucking dumb. I love that movie. Of course! Yeah, exactly! <laughs> so, uh, let's go on to the director, which is a man I know both of us love, Barry Sonnenfeld. He is the director of Men in Black, which is one of the greatest movies of all time. Well, I mean, let's not forget, yeah, both Adam's family movies and he directed Get Shorty, but what really makes him stand out is he started as a cinematographer and he also became one of Hollywood's best because he did movies like Big, which, okay, maybe that isn't one you think about cinematography, but then he did Misery. And I think once he did Misery, game over. You can do whatever you want. Yeah, and they basically said, you, you know, you are literally making these movies that are huge, you know, working on them as a cinematographer. You've got an eye. You're amazing. You know, these, t- and basically, I think Tim Burton is the reason Barry Sonnenfeld got a career because these dark, weird movies started getting Adam's made. Adam's Family, yeah, yeah. And then Barry Sonnenfeld got the job to direct Adam's Family, which, you know, could not have happened if it wasn't for Tim Burton. But, like, his look, Sonnenfeld's look, is so unique and weird. 
also and you know he does a lot of like we talked about like the fast forwarding and the slam zooms and the super pan outs and like he's he's very active with the camera i heard him talk one time in one of his films that he just like fell in love with learned so much was learned a lot about the the business and how to shoot and everything like that was raising arizona Mm -hmm. and of course who directed that Coen Brothers. Yeah. So, like, man, this this guy has worked with not only fascinating people, but then he goes and gets the talent of, I mean, think of all the actors in the Adams family. And then you move on to Men in Black with Will Smith and uh, Tommy Lee Jones. Even even uh, Get Shorty, that fucking cast is stacked. That is, that Get Shorty is John Travolta coming off of Pulp Fiction. Like, what? Like, that is insane. He's gotten some really bad scripts in well, the last like, yeah. in the last eight years. Well, he was basically forced into the Beverly Hills Cop TV show. Yeah, no, this only made it to pilot, so yeah. he only did that first episode well, or whatever. Because I know he did, oh, he did a bunch of them. He did the Tick TV series. Uh, I think he did both Tick TV series. I would believe that yeah. they very much fall in his wheelhouse but i could be wrong on that i might have just done one but he recent movies uh, i I don't i don't understand what i mean was men in black 3 made money why was he pushed out of hollywood films after that well men in black 3 made money but they were really like sony because they're idiots were banking on that being gigantic again it had been so long since the first one. People kind of forgot about and forgave the second one because everybody hated that one that came out. It was time for a third one, and Sony was banking on that being a gigantic hit. And it was like a moderate success. Yeah, it I, I a love gigantic it. Gigantic hit. I love this. So the budget of $225 million, but it has a worldwide box office of $624 million. And that's not a hit. That's this not is, enough. Yeah, that's so, not enough. So like, basically, he's just, been relegated to movies like RV well, and Nine Lives. So I honestly think where the true downhill slope started was Lady Killers, which he didn't direct, but he was on set. Uh, those kind of movies. I think he directed RV. He directed RV. Ooh. Yeah, that was the beginning of the end for something. Yeah, film, really. Because, yeah, now he's well, doing shit like Nine Lives. Lady Killers is hated by people. Well, he just shot it, so... Well, I, I know, but that movie is hated <laughs> by some... I've heard people that don't even know shit about film. They're like, that film was... That, that film was ugly. And I was like, what? <laughs> well, I mean... I never even saw it. I have no idea. I, it's... You know, there's actually a cult following with it now. I don't know. We should do that. We should cover that on... Uh, some type of thing, or at least we should both watch it and talk about it. It's I on think VHS. Lady Killers. It's one of those little later VHSs, but yeah, they made it to VHS. I think so. Lady Killers is worth a conversation. I'm not saying it's a good film. I'm just saying I don't hate it. I've never seen it, so yeah. I'll talk about then it. Then again, I could watch it now and be like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> <laughs> so let's go on to a little bit more. Like I said, this is going to be long. Uh, this swept the Golden Raspberry Awards. This is like just spectacular bad in their eyes. Which, uh, you know, at the here's the thing. Ninety nine had some bad films, but you got to look at how this movie was shoved down our throats for months and months and months and months and months, year for a year basically. Mm-hmm. They said, "Here's the next Will Smith movie. Here's trailers for it. Here's promotions, tie-ins." And this movie was shoved down our throats, 
by the time it came out and how massively disappointing it was for fans because it wasn't Men in Black, it was far weirder and far more, you know, disjointed. Um, people then got mad at it. So I don't think it was that it was the worst movie of the year. I think it was that it pissed people off the most. Like it should have been better type thing. And I think that's why it got some... Well, and it really pissed off fans of the original series because so much has changed. And I, you know what? I never heard... And a lot of things I read about this going into this film... It's not, I never heard like, oh, how could they make Jim West a black man? No, no. They were pissed off at what they did to Loveless, making, turning him from a dwarf into a man without legs. Just pissed. Like, really? just cursing the director, you know, just like, it's, well, maybe that's not the director's fault. Maybe that's, you know, whoever did the script. Or maybe they're like, hey, we can get Kenneth Branagh. Fuck it. Just make him lugless. Yeah, like, oh, what are we going to do? Shrink down Kenneth Branagh because we got him? Like, that's yeah. fucked up. So. <laughs> yeah, it, it, um, I mean, there's, I guess, a lot of new plot points that they stuck in. But uh, the development in this is also just as fascinating. I already explained how Warner Brothers was doing financially struggling. So they needed this film to succeed. They actually say that in the Death of uh, Superman Lives documentary. And uh, it was kind of interesting because at first they wanted Richard Donner to direct this. And they wanted it to be written by Shane Black and starring Mel Gibson. And Mel Gibson... So they wanted Maverick? (laughs) Spot on. So Mel Gibson really wanted to do a Western film. Well, he ended up not doing this because they couldn't get... Well, Richard Donner, uh, something happened. Donner, whatever. But they both got back together and went on to make Maverick. Yeah. So, yeah, Shane Black obviously wasn't involved in that. But, like, it was Mel Gibson's movie during the height of Lethal Weapon dumb. So still, yeah, it's Richard Donner coming off of a Shane Black movie with Mel Gibson. Maverick. Wasn't Maverick way before this yeah maverick was 94 so this is 99 so this is five years earlier yeah and this and maverick was a success maverick was a hit yeah yeah that's a fun movie i, I, like I would movie. do that yeah my vhs though they crapped out halfway through i had to get rid of it it just like stopped working halfway I'm sure through the movie find that. oh yeah that's a 25 um, center that everywhere you go but so i mean that after like this thing had been in development i guess since like 1992 or I something. That. That's when um, all, the, all these properties got snatched up. I mean, that, that's when like Tom Cruise was rumored to be the lead, but then like he very much said, no, 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 no. They asked me, and then I got the opportunity to do Mission Impossible, and I no, I'm yeah. doing Mission Impossible. Good choice. Yeah, <laughs> that's still working for you, Tom. <laughs> yes, because I'm going to talk about a bad choice. Because when uh, Will Smith finally got the choice of this, he turned down this little computer movie called The Matrix. Oh, yes. I remember he famously turned this down. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and this reminded me, too. And I, I know you're going to go into Will Smith's story here for a sec. But, like, sidebar, I was like, oh, yeah, Will Smith is such a natural and, like, a Western. Remember when he turned down uh, Django also? Yeah. He could have redeemed this. And done Django, but he turned it down. Why did he turn down Django? Too rough for him. I think he still wanted to stay within sort of his 
well, softer parameter. I mean, I know he's done some R-rated movies, but he, you know, well, Tarantino's a little, a little bit much for Will Smith. It's I not think. like Tarantino lost anything. You got Jamie Foxx, and he's spectacular. Yeah, I mean, that fucking movie's amazing. So, it worked out for everybody, but like, uh, yeah, it's a, he turned down two things that could have really done some shit for him. Yeah, I mean, and the amount of people who turned down the Artemis Gordon uh, character is amazing. George Clooney, Matthew McConaughey, and Johnny Depp. <laughs> yeah, except nowadays, this is exactly the part that Johnny Depp would play. Well, what was Lone the Ranger? Disney? Lone Ranger. The same I mean, thing. Exactly. It's exactly it's... the same. Exactly the same movie. There's so many parallels well, yeah, between Lone Ranger. At and least this movie. Wild Wild West is a fun trash movie. I I watched Lone I Ranger one time. Lone Ranger's got some pretty spectacular trash in it. It's just so way too long. But, long. but if you whittle through the long runtime, there's some pretty good trash nuggets in there. Not as good as Wild Wild West though. Well, okay, Steve or uh, Michael Keaton uh, wasn't rumored to play or anything like that, but he was part of the Warner Brothers like star men to go to. Yeah, he was pissed off. He never got a call for this. Well, then and he was open. <laughs> he was open about it beforehand because he wanted to play Artemis Gordon. Mm-hmm. He got Jack Frost instead. Either way, you're fucked. Yeah, no, didn't work out for anybody after this. So. Whatever. That's pretty much all I got in this. I know there was a lawsuit from the person who created the television series, something like that, that, um, whatever. It doesn't really matter. The reception on this is spectacularly bad. 17% on Rotten Tomatoes, 4.1 out of 10 on IMDb, and the one that really matters is Metacritic, and they got 38 out of 100. Uh, I'm more of a Metacritic guy, uh, so that pretty much tells you what the audience yes. truly feels about people it with did, some of the uh, critics. People did not like this movie. As we're as we're like wrapping this up here, I will say, give it another shot. If you hated this movie when it came out, give it another shot. I'm not saying you're going to like it now, but you are going to be absolutely befuddled of how much they got away with, and I don't mean like, you know, with dialogue. I mean like with like effects and how huge this movie is and how much just weird shit there is in this. I think it's worth revisiting just to see all of the bizarreness in here. And you won't be, I guarantee now, 20 years after it's out, you will not be able to look away. So that is going to wrap up this long one. Like I said, it's like a Mario Brothers episode. It's just, we had so much to say on it and there's so much and there's more. Yeah, We could cover more, but we're going to wrap it up. Uh, so you can listen and rate us on iTunes. It helps a lot. Uh, if you don't want to be an iTuner, uh, you can go to Podbean, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, even YouTube. Yes. Uh, and then definitely make sure to come back next week as we continue our theme songs in September, uh, as we're going to do Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Where my boy Brian Adams does the fucking theme song. <laughs> the greatest Canadian rock star of all time! Bringing that back from our Grease 2 conversation. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, very excited to take a look at that film for the first time for me. Thanks for listening. Come back next week and remember to be kind. Rewind! Hey, Toxic here. 
And Meridon, too. We're the hosts of the Overleague podcast. Are you a fan of Overwatch League or just a fan of Overwatch in general? Well, if you are, we break down matches and all other Overwatch happenings, and we won't judge your main. Tune in every other Tuesday to the Overleague on Geekscape and wherever you get your podcasts.